Welcome to Top of Mind with Concilio Wealth, a show about markets, investing, and financial planning. Join us as we cover current events that are in the news and answer top of mind questions from our listeners. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. This audio may contain statements that may be deemed as forward-looking. Any such statements are not guarantees of future performance and actual results may differ from those projected. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, tax, or other professional services. Welcome everyone to the first quarter of 2024 market commentary. On this call, we will highlight our published market commentary, which is a review of the prior quarter, so the fourth quarter of 2023, as well as the prior year. And we will also outline some of the things that we think might happen this year, um, some of the portfolio positioning things, the economic things, and, uh, and just our general thoughts on the economy. Before we go too far, I have to remind everyone that the views expressed on this call and in our brief that is now published on our website are always to be made in the context of a well-diversified portfolio and should not be taken as a recommendation to buy in or sell out of a particular area of the market or a stock. If we mention a stock on this call, that does not mean that we are recommending to buy or sell that stock. That is purely just commentary. Our views on all of these topics can and will change as new information becomes available. And uh, we will, on a quarterly basis, update this briefing to all of our listeners uh, to keep everybody informed of changes in the market. Hal, thanks so much for joining me today and also for taking lead on our commentary. Why don't we start off here with the year in review? So 2023 was a volatile year, but ultimately a pretty good year in markets. And uh, kick us off. What happened last year? How did markets perform? And uh, what's your insights? Yeah, heading into 2023, it was basically felt like an extension of 2022, which is a really bad year, right? It was volatile was and it ended up pretty yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2022 was down 19%. And... We expected more of the same. Uh, we, meaning the broad institutional investor class, I guess, um, expected a repeat because things weren't improving. Inflation was high and interest rates are going up, right? We had a hike cycle that started in March 22 and ended in July 23, and that was a total of 11 hikes. And we, Our interest rates, federal funds rate, went from 0.08% all the way up to 5.33% in a matter of like 16 months. That's a really fast hike cycle, and when you fastest slow down on the, record, we think so. I'll have to yeah. go back and double check, but it's it's one of the mis- more historically fast hike cycles that we've lived through. And when you hike the hike interest rates that fast, things slow down, right? People, businesses start uh, slowing down business. Uh, people s- borrow less because it's so expensive to borrow, right? buy less cars homes things like that at least that's what the thought was and you would expect in a recession when people slow down purchasing like that and what you didn't get was the recession you also didn't get a slowdown on purchasing you didn't get a slowdown really in anything Hmm. and uh, it turned out to be pretty good inflation still went down even with the lack of slowdown in demand and buying and i think that was really important for the fed to see where inflation kind of resolved itself, right? And yeah, supply chains improved, but you know, inflation is still sticking in other places. But we've seen a massive improvement in 
in inflation. And I think that was something to be applauded. Whether it was the Fed's responsibility or not, it, it was something that's pretty amazing that the U.S. economy lived through. Yeah, I think we can definitely credit the Fed on some of that. Um, I know you're going to talk about this in a moment, but uh, mid-size and small small size companies in the U.S. consistently reported in earnings last year that one of their largest growing expenses was interest cost. So many of these companies use debt to finance their operations, and the cost of that went up, which of course put downward pressure on their profitability and actually held down those stocks for, Correct. for a, a good amount of the year. So there certainly was some slowing effect to um, you know, economic growth that the Fed uh, you know, did in fact uh, deploy last year. But the consumer saved us. So our, our collective spending kind of not only overshadowed that or counterbalanced that, it, it outweighed it. And I think that was, you know... Maybe a positive thing. We we won't know for sure, but yeah, it was positive. Yeah, very good point. Yeah, it's consumers kept buying. Maybe corporate corporate profitability for small and mid sized companies came down a little bit because of that. But sure. consumers kept sure. buying their products. Yeah. Do you want to highlight here for a moment just um, some of the different asset classes? You know, some of the winners, some of the losers in twenty twenty two, and then how they did in twenty twenty three. Yeah, almost everyone was a loser except for oil and energy in twenty two, and. It almost like a mirror image. Everyone was clawed back their losses, if not improved. Um, outside of energy, uh, energy was up 39% in 2022 and zero in 2023. And China, mm. China was down negative 22 in 22 and negative 11 in 23. But everyone else, whatever they lost, they seemed to recover at least some or if not all of what was lost in the last year. So we saw this clawback effect happening on top of the the global not global but u.s gdp improvements that we've experienced so i think in some what i heard there is returns last year were generally very very good but if we look at just last year in a vacuum uh that's that's not the accurate picture we have to go back to beginning of 2022 so really it's a two-year history to see where asset classes have gone over that period since 2022 was was down for a good yeah. majority of the year. If you held the S&P for two straight years, you were up a net of 9%. And that was a pretty mm. rocky ride, but you were, you're were you still better off for it. Um, sure. U.S. large cap, you're net up 4% over two years. So mm. these are single-digit returns. And, we, you know, we've we basically round-tripped over the last two years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You talk a little bit about this in your post about the, the catch-up rally. What do you mean by that? Yeah, all year we've been talking about the Magnificent Seven really leading the charge. That that really broadened out in November, December last year. If you look at small cap and mid cap performance, they ended the year nineteen um, percent up and seventeen percent up respectively. But the the story really was not the year end figure. It was the the close of the year where starting November, small cap. Small caps were up over 24% in two months. Mid cap was up over 18% in two months. The S&P, for its part, it was up 13%. So small cap outpaced mm. the S&P in an eight-week period, right, by 11%, which is just a very, con- not a concentrated rally, but a very healthy rally for smaller smaller companies. It's actually impressive because the S&P 500, of course, is the 500 largest companies in the U.S. 
Um, your proxy here for small cap is the Russell 2000, which would be the 2000 smallest companies in the US. So 2000 companies went up 11% more than 500 yes. collectively. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. yeah. And considering 2000 companies in index, that's a very, very small weight in each company. Yeah. And we point that out because people were ready to throw in the towel for smaller companies, right? Anyone who wasn't Magnificent Seven, they were lagging, they were frustrated all year. And that shows you that you should own lots of different things because things like this do happen. And do you think that that was due to the Fed signaling that they would actually drop rates in 2024? It coincided with it. and Coincided with it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Jay Powell came out and said, we're going to cut rates three times next year. That remains to be seen. We have not seen any rate cuts yet, but the market is um, opportunistic and sometimes over-optimistic and really prices that in right away. And the mm -hmm. perception there is smaller and mid-cap companies are more reliant on interest rates, meaning they borrow more, which, yeah, again, kind of that, related that's to a, that. Yeah, a pretty fuzzy line, I, but that's that's what the market optimism is looking at. Got it, got it. Let's shift over to inflation. I think there was good news there all year. And then wage growth. I think there was also pretty good news there all year. Yeah, we ended the year at 3.1% inflation. Uh, I'm talking core inflation. So if you include gas and food, uh, the inflation rate is actually lower than 3.1%. So we're looking at pretty, pretty good improvement in terms of in the inflation figure. Uh, wage growth had been a piece of it where, you know, the more you have to pay your employees, the more you have to price your, your product, right? So um, for a time there, for nearly two years, inflation had out, outpaced wage growth. So if you got a raise, well, here you go with more higher prices, right? So you erased all of the gains that you made from your salary until yeah. recently, right? So in, uh, I would say, March of last year, we started to see inflation go below wage growth. So people are actually finally getting ahead. And I think that has a lot to do with uh, market sentiment or consumer so, sentiment. Sorry. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. So this chart here shows that inflation went below wage growth in roughly March or so. Uh, I'm sure that March wasn't like the switch that went off that people started Correct. feeling that because I think you know gas prices came down, which is a big component. You know, I know for me when I fill up at the pump, if it's more than a hundred bucks, it's like whoa, uh, and and it was there for a while. Um, so you know now I just don't fill up on empty, and it makes me feel better. But um, <laughs> just but, fill you know, more if, frequently. If the gas yeah. is a price, yeah, to fill up you know half tank, it makes me makes me feel like it's it's super affordable. Um, but you know, I think that that really does. If if more of more of your paycheck is going to gas, it's like, oh, geez, you know, gas was this, you know, let's let's eat in tonight. Um, and so I think spending spending changes. So, but but the, the the crux of the matter is that inflation largely is lower than wage growth right now. So people are likely feeling like they're getting ahead, which yes. probably buoyed the consumer sentiment figures towards the end of the year. Yeah, and Chris and I have pointed to this several times, but we just couldn't figure why the market felt so good and real life felt so crummy. And I think this was a big component of it, uh, what drove consumer sentiment off a cliff, which, to be clear, it's improved, but it's nowhere near pre-pandemic mm. highs, right? We're still about 30% off, where our low was mm. about 50% off its highs. 
So consumer sentiment has a ways to go. Um, as a reminder, what, what the University of Michigan asked are, are what the perceptions of current economic climates are, right? I don't know how many people they survey, but it is a lot. Uh, how, how, how do they feel about the state of the economy, like their job security, income level, um, economic stability? I think that's mm-hmm. one big question. Um, expectations. Well, how does that look in six months? Your job stability, your your ability to get a raise, um, personal financial situation. Uh, Sorry, I, I want to just interrupt you just for a second. So you, you're going over the questions that are asked to calculate consumer confidence, right? Yes, in a broad sense. Like this is what they ask people and they'll say, hey, okay. this person feels good or not, right? And and then they pull those. Yeah. Okay. So this is how that metric together. is built on yeah. a monthly basis based on responses to these exactly. questions. Exactly. Okay. Carry on. Sorry. Exactly. And ideally, you want to ask the same people month in, month out, right? Because their moods yeah. will change. Um, the next part is personal, like uh, feelings about their income and debt levels, like how much how much they're underwater, if not any. Um, do they feel financially secure? Can they pay their bills? I think that's such a big component, right? Like if you're not mm-hmm. feeling great about paying utility bills, you're not going to feel good about no matter how good the economy is. And I think that's that really gets down to the crux of how people feel versus what the markets respond with, right? Um, are you feeling confident on the like your discretionary purchases, right? Do do you have to s- cut back so much because the price of eggs are draining your savings account? Right, you got to cut back on Doritos. You got to go to the the uh, white label brand, right? And then future purchasing plans. Okay. Bre- breaking news: the eggs I buy are back up 50, 50 cents. I'm pretty <laughs> mad about it. I got I got to say, I was just at this, and they keep selling out of them. We buy this eighteen packs. We we eat a lot of eggs, and uh, they're they're up fifty cents now. And I'm just like, really? Yeah, and. <sighs> The eggs we buy are pretty cheap relative to where in the summer, so um, maybe it's a state thing. But the, I think yeah, you just got to get into the uh, <laughs> you know, the, the pasture raised classical music sung yeah. to <laughs> eggs that I buy. Um, yeah, th- those are the ones. Uh, Vital Farms. I should own the stock. You know, that's not a recommendation. And, but <laughs> yeah, let us know if the egg topic really bugs you, because most of our clients are Washington, so. Yeah, I might be hey, downplaying the price of eggs for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> I am definitely a proxy. I'll, I'll definitely speak to that. Yeah. All right. Back to the consumer sentiment. Last last section is future purchasing plan. So, like, are you going to buy a car if you feel kind of iffy about your job? Right? Are you going to sign up for a new car loan? Like that. All kind of they all kind of feed into each other, and they all form this consumer sentiment score at the end of it. And that's that's basically what's being asked. Got it. Okay. So current current economic conditions, how do you feel? Personal financial situations, how do you feel? And then future purchasing plans, basically, are you planning yeah. on doing anything? And based on that range of questions, sort of a, a, a some sort of a number is struck, and then that's how this is charted. And what you're saying is that uh, consumer sentiment has improved uh, really throughout the entire year, actually since about the middle of 2022, but, but it's improved, and that could has could could also be pointed to the fact that inflation has been coming down since the middle yeah. of 2022, right? So as things have been getting cheaper on a relative basis, people are feeling better and better about their incomes and their ability to spend. 
Yeah, and if you were pointing to one thing, it's probably gas prices rather than eggs because it's a daily reminder of how, you know, you yeah. perceive things to be cheaper or expensive. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's shift to our outlook. Yeah, uh, this year's stark difference. We we started the year where 100% of economists said we were entering recession in 23. Only 24% of them are saying recession is more likely than not this year. There's still a lot of oh, uncertainty, interesting. though. Yeah. So Few holdouts uh, everyone, still. Yeah, fewer holding out. But I guess if you um, say the sky is falling enough, and when the sky falling does fall, you, you look like a genius. So, you know, it's, it's they call, you know, they've correctly predicted 20 of the last seven recessions correctly. Is that the, the term? But um, I think... A broken clock is right at least twice a day, and that might be part of it. Um, but again, if you're an investor, you should always be worried about volatility and uh, potential drawdowns because it's normal, but you just got to be mentally prepared for it. And I think that's what we're saying. Um, still, inflation has never cooled to, to the Fed target without a recession. So we've, we've rewrote history here. And mm -hmm. not to say recession doesn't happen because there might be something that's unknown that we're not seeing that could still shake the markets. Mm -hmm. It always does. Um, even though economists tend to be wrong about predicting the future, they're predicting the future, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> how, mm -hmm. how right or 100% of the time have you found someone to be a professional that they've called every single instance properly? That just doesn't happen. But you should still use them as a guide, right? So we're expecting sure. a bit, little bit slower uh, growth, but slower growth. Uh, we're not expecting a blowout like 2023. It, but again, not a lot of people did either. And they're, most people are still kind of keeping to that viewpoint. Yeah, 2023 seemed to also be kind of an earnings recession. And so the 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 anticipated earnings from companies was lower at the end of 2022 and throughout that year just as you know, the stock prices had come down and, and economic outlook had had sort of deteriorated uh and then when sales were better than anticipated that's in part what caused this big rally in 2023 uh, and so that's what's referred to as an earnings recession yeah um, so that you know likely was also a, a component too Let's shift to our last topic here, interest rates. I bet this is going to be our biggest thing we talk about in 2024. I feel like we talked about this a lot in 2023 too, but um, what do you what do you think on rates? Just what, what is yeah. the Fed saying that they're going to do and what are your insights here? Yeah, and I, we're, we're using this as a warning to, to avoid spending too much time on, you know, getting that extra percent from your CD or your money market. Uh, you guys, you remember I-bonds where... They were the thing. We even said, hey, take a look at these. But it, interest rates move fast. So something as appealing as 5% and it's suddenly paying 3.5% or 4%, I probably wouldn't fight over that extra half percent. It's not going to be worth it. Uh, we're already yeah. seeing banks you know, call, sell CDs that have a lot more call features and then have mm -hmm. a steep drop-off after a year. Um, so everyone knows rates are going down. Everyone knows that. Uh, the next big thing is mortgage rates. Typically, mortgage rates follow the U.S. 10-year Treasury rate, which is around 4%. Mortgage rates are around 6.5%. So the 
the premium is historically higher than it normally is. A 4% U.S. Treasury rate, 10-year U.S. Treasury rate, typically implies a 5% mortgage rate, typically. So banks are currently still pricing in a, a premium spread. Um, they could definitely improve the housing market by br bringing that spread down to 5%. And I think that's a psychological impediment. If once we start seeing interest rates go down around 5%, I think the housing market will hopefully start to loosen up there. Hmm. But yeah, right now we're going to hear rates drive everything. Yeah. I mean, for mortgage rates went from somewhere around eight to somewhere around six and a half. Now that's a big change. Yeah. But, uh, you're saying sub six is kind of the, the guess, I guess when, uh, yeah, think, total guess. start to pick up again. Mm -hmm. But psychologically, yeah. 3% to 5 seems kind of doable, but housing prices, yeah. you know, housing prices didn't really move. They went down a little bit, but they didn't really move with, you know, 9% or 8% mortgage rates. Yep, totally. Well, we still have a shortage of houses here in the U.S., so there's yeah. uh, that's yeah. not going away anytime soon. Okay. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much, Hal, for your insights there and giving us some color on your written commentary here. And as a reminder, everyone, this commentary is on our website. Uh, if you go to conciliowealth.com in the insights tab, you'll be able to go down to the market commentary section. Uh, and if you click there, you'll see our most recent commentary as well as all the prior ones. Um, the article will be posted there as well as the YouTube video, which of course will link you over to the podcast as well. So thanks everyone for tuning in today and we yep. hope that this was helpful. Make it a great one. <laughs>